0: Welcome to the Dropship Podcast, where you'll learn how to build and grow a high ticket dropshipping business and hear stories from successful e commerce entrepreneurs. Let's kick this thing off. Hey, welcome to the Dropship Podcast. We're back with another Freedom Friday episode with one of my best friends in the entire world and former business partner, Ryan Angel. Welcome to the show, buddy.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: And I know it, when you're listening, you can't see it, but Brian is sitting in the back of an RV in uh, outside of Orlando, Florida, uh, traveling with his family. And that's part of the reason I wanted to have Brian on the show is he's living a life. Maybe it's not for me personally, but like this is what him and his family wanted to do. And this is what building your own business, whatever that may be, allows you to do, allows you to have the life you want to have now and not wait till you're 65 to retire to go live in an RV, which I'm sure, Brian, there's not many families in the RV park, uh, similar to, to your family. Right. I know, I know when I came in or when you came and visit me, rather, when we both met up here in Destin, um, there was a lot of retired folks, right. A lot of older folks and, uh, and the ability for you to be able to do this in your late thirties, early forties. I'm not sure exactly where you're at there, uh, with your family, with, with two you know, kids under 10, that's, a, that's unbelievable. And so that's really why I wanted to have you on here. Plus you've been, you've done some really cool things in business, outside of of dropshipping like where you've evolved to is pretty cool
1: yeah thanks man yeah it's it's you're right there's probably not a lot of uh not a lot of entrepreneurs that are able to to work and travel on the road where i am a lot of families maybe a few less retirees here because everybody's i'm actually so so full disclosure i'm actually in right now i'm sitting in the bedroom of my rv in fort wilderness basically at disney world we just went to the magic kingdom two days ago and and the rest of the time we're just sort of enjoying the, the environment, the Disney environment. But, uh, but yeah, there, there's a lot of kids, a lot of families, but most of them don't have the luxury of being able to travel full time the way that we do and still be able to feed a family of four and a dog and the whole thing.
0: Yeah. I didn't really put two and two together there that you're, you're sitting basically at Disney's RV park, you know, like where more people stay to go there. So I would imagine there are a lot of families there, but, you know, thinking back to up here on the panhandle, when you were passing through, you know, wasn't wasn't necessarily that, and uh, I don't know. I think what you do is amazing. I think we have a, a mutual friend as well, Anastasia Vankova, who's also kind of doing this with her family as well via drop shipping. And so, uh, I want I wanted you on here. I need to get Anastasia on here as well and really talk about what what you're able to do when you own your own business. Like it just it, it frees you up to make decisions. Uh, that other people really can't make. They can't leave, right? And and COVID changed that a little bit with the remote work and things like that, uh, allowed some people to move. I know you and I ran into a guy on the golf course while you were here who, uh, due to remote work, he was here with his wife um, previous, and uh, now he's taking a month off pre-retirement to kind of test it out. And so I think COVID has opened this up a little bit, but really owning your own business is the ultimate freedom. And and that's uh, that's the only thing I ever want to tell people is like, you know, do your own thing, make your own way. Um, And you're living that, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and I would want to emphasize that that goes both ways, right? So, so I do think a lot of people that are looking to get into online entrepreneurship, you know, be it through drop shipping, you know, selling products on Amazon, affiliate marketing, whatever it is, I think many of them do have a vision of laptop on the beach um, or, or traveling through Europe. Um, And, and frankly, that's sort of what, I'm doing my version of that now, right? my family version of that right now in the RV traveling around the United States. But what I would say is that this this is sort of a cycle for me. And I think you you and I actually uh, sometimes are a bit unique or, or we differentiate from that in, in that we both actually like building businesses too. It's not just a means to fund. It's actually that, you know, we enjoy the passion and the challenge of building a business. And so, you know, right now, I think, I think COVID sent us all into this weird headspace. And, and so for my wife and I, the, the cycle of our journey came to a point where we decided, okay, let's do that. Let's be the travelers. Let's get out and and seek adventure and, and, and see the country. And, and, um, and I'll be honest, I can all, we're already, you know, we started, nine-ish, eight, nine months ago, we're already feeling the urge to get back, create some normalcy. Um, and I feel the urge to get back to building because, because uh, well, it's great that this lifestyle, this business, you know, allows me to do this. It also allows me to go back and build something bigger and better and deeper and more meaningful too. You can take it in so many different ways.
0: And I think it comes with age, right? So when I first started, I was 29, 30, and I was sold on that dream. You're going to sit on a beach in Thailand and work on your laptop for two hours a day. Um, And, well, you can do that. No question. You you can do that. Like you said, after a little while, it's going to get a little old, Uh, at least for me. I want to travel and see other things, let alone, like, you know, that's more of a... A maintenance period, if, if 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 I'm honest, right? Like you, you got to put in work. You're building a real business here, right? This this doesn't just completely run on autopilot. You're going to need to run it or hire a team, which you're going to need to manage the team. And so, um, while you can work, I don't want to say the the four hour work week. I bet you, you know, easily could work three four hours a day uh, and build this business. But you're right. There's times where I just want to get head down as well and 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 build. Like that's, I love being an entrepreneur. I love being a business builder. It's it's about the freedom, but it's also about like the challenge and the growth that comes through entrepreneurship.
1: And 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 I think there's there's sustainability in that, that. That yes, you 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 really can. You you can you can create a drop shipping store and you could you can probably make you know a few thousand bucks a month fairly easily, right? Working very little. But it's at that stage of the business cycle, it 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 is very indefensible against newcomers that come in and basically do the exact same thing. And and you know, I I the, I think the phrase that if you're not growing, you're dying is kind of, is kind of true. And, and so, um, you know, I think that's why you and I have always, we've always maybe talked more about the upside of, of really pushing to make this something bigger and better and more meaningful than, than just the, Hey, if, if you, if you build it, they will come. If you build a store, you'll get some customers, you can go travel around um, the world. And, and it's just as simple as that. I think there's something more, more meaningful to be had and something, something more sustainable as a business to be had. If you're willing to put in a little bit of extra work.
0: Yeah. I think you and I concur on like actually giving a shit about your customers and your product and thing like that. And, and we're going to get there, right? You've acquired a couple companies via dropshipping, right? You, you had a dropshipping business. You acquired one of the companies in there. You acquired another company, uh, And I want to talk through how you did that and like why that made sense and then why that's you and why that makes sense. But let's 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 jump all the way back. Right. Let's get out of the RV, if you will, and go way back to the beginning. How did you even start, Brian? Like what motivated you to start? Were you doing any side hustles prior to this? Were you an entrepreneur your whole life? Were you, you know, uh, selling baseball cards and stuff as a kid or flipping Pokemon cards or pogs or whatever was cool back in our uh, really old day?
1: I, you know, I, I, don't, I wouldn't I wouldn't consider myself like the, the Gary V type. I wasn't the guy that was always trying to that, that was always finding ways to to make a, a, a quick buck here or there. I um, you know, when I was younger, I was more focused on on sports uh, as I got older I, you know, I, and, and sort of got into business. I was you know, I, I had some prominent sales and marketing positions. And at one point I was um, part of a part of a startup company but but no it was more that that i always felt like like i could do it both both my wife and i felt like we could do it my my wife for years worked for a digital marketing agency that basically enabled hundreds if not thousands of um you know entrepreneurs with small online businesses thrive that was sort of their their world for a little while so we had a sort of had this window into the possibilities um but but like like a lot of people i think we were just caught up in in you know, in the jobs that we had, right? we, we actually had really good jobs. We had, we had high paying jobs. Um, I had both of my kids before I started our first drop shipping business. We were pretty entrenched in that world. And so for, for those people that are that, that are like that, they understand that you get that paycheck and it's really hard, you, you sort of become captive to it, right? We made we made a good amount of money. Um, But yet we never felt wealthy. We never really felt much sense of abundance. It was just somehow it always, you know, disappeared for for lack of a better, better way of saying it. Um, And so, so, yeah, we started in 2016 um you know we started our our first drop shipping business i would say for about the the year before that we had been thinking about it we had been dr- brainstorming different ideas we knew we wanted wanted to start our own business probably online at some point we just didn't really know when and and i think i you know i'm probably one of the the lucky few that where where in the first try was the successful one i didn't didn't have a lot of other things that that i tried before finding something that worked and supported us.
0: What was the pain, right? You just talked about how you and your wife had pretty cushy jobs. You were part of uh, a startup. Uh, and your wife was part of a bigger company with with uh, options in the company. Uh, where is the pain there, right? Lot, I think a lot of people listening are like, well, you are probably making six figures, both of you, and like you are, you know, you are happy. You are in California, which is, you know, uh, at least in twenty sixteen, pretty amazing to both of us. I think, um, and and probably amazing to a lot of people for the weather. And where is the pain there for you where you are like, I think we should start something
1: different. It was, it was freedom, freedom and time. That's what we wanted. I mean, we just being fully honest, we were, we were miserable, you know, before, if you, if you go back about a year before starting, uh, I was working in Culver city. I I spent about two and a half hours a day commuting in a car. I had a great job, great people around me. Um, By all accounts, I should have been the happiest guy in the world. And I wasn't. And, and, and at that point, my wife was largely working from home. She was going into the office one or two days a week, but still, we just both didn't, we just both felt like slaves. It just, it was never for us. We, we just hated working for other people. We hated that, that even though we had, we, we had the money to afford a lot of things, we didn't have the time and we didn't have the freedom to really live life the way we wanted to, and to be around each other as much as we wanted to. And, and this was a means of fixing that, of undoing that.
0: How did you land on high-ticket dropshipping, right? You said you were exploring in online online businesses, and there's a ton of them out there, and they're all very appealing in their own right, right? Affiliate marketing, you don't have to deal with customers, right? You just need to figure out a way to generate traffic and get people to click through your links. Uh, you know, Dropshipping has its own pros and cons that we've talked about on previous episodes. Uh, there, Amazon FBA, uh, That's I started a business in there. That that has its own pros and cons as well. Amazon can be a nightmare sometimes. Um, and so what made you land on high-ticket dropshipping specifically?
1: I don't know exactly. Uh, Some of it was probably just serendipity, right? Like, you know, right moment, right time. I think, Uh, you know, I I know this all started when I was, when I did have that job uh, and I was spending all that time commuting, uh, you know, this was in the heart of the, you know, the Tim Ferriss show podcast days. And I remember listening to that religiously, you know, every, every time a new one was out, I was, I was listening to it in the car. Which, which you know started opening our you know my mind up to different ideas um and and one of the people that he had on that that spoke to me at the time was Ramit sati if, if you're familiar with him and and so the our the initial thing that we did was ali and I actually took a course that he had which was sort of like a an idea generator it, it was it was in and it sort of it, it spread the gambit of anything from from you know uh, you know, content businesses to product businesses, all kinds of stuff. It was just more about finding some cross-section of passion and opportunity and, and then understanding how to take a business idea and, and, and market it, whatever that, that was. But in the process of going through that course, um, you know, I came across dropship lifestyle and, um, and, and it just, the, the idea of drop shipping spoke to me um, as a way to, as sort of a way to accelerate into, into the world of, of selling products online. It just, it just made a lot of sense to me that, that as a, as a first stepping stone, why not sell other people's products and learn a bunch of stuff. And then I I knew before I even started that business that I was going to sell my own. In fact, I was already, I was already looking for my own product to sell while I was doing research for the store. And, and in fact, one of our best Suppliers in the early days was a company that I initially reached out to, thinking I was going to white label their products, and they ended up actually being a a supplier, and we sold their brand for, um, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars over the years.
0: So much like uh, I'm sure plenty of people listening to this, like I also took Dropship Lifestyle back in the day, and I think it's important to note that that you know I think that course helped me and you and and John and a few other people like get started, right? Uh, And so. If you hear people referencing that, I've got nothing but love for that course. But there's a reason we created Dropship Breakthrough because we feel like there's a lot missing there. There's a lot on how to go from uh, 1 to 10, right? I think that course is great at 0 to 1. Uh, and, and we create a Dropship Breakthrough to you know, not only take you 0 to 1 but 1 to 10. So I just want to make sure we touch on that. Uh, we d- definitely get some questions around there. So anyway, back to the story. Uh, so as you're like jumping in here... How did you land on on the niche you chose, and and we can share your store whether you want to be open about it or not. That's up to you. But like, how did you land on that? Like, what, like, where did you struggle in the beginning? Was it was it the niche selection, or or beyond that is where you started first having you know struggles?
1: Um, I don't I don't remember exactly. I I probably had had greater struggle. You know once once the store was up and running you know, you know learning how to do you know, Google ads and things like that but I don't I don't remember clearly how I came to my niche so so I don't mind sharing and being being upfront about the fact that that I I created and still have to this day standing desk nation which you know as you can probably guess we sold standing desks and and to a lesser extent treadmill desks and other ergonomic, chairs and products and things like that. But, but that one, as if I recall correctly, I mean, gosh, it's been almost six years now. Um, it, it came to me pretty quickly because I had, I had gone through some pretty severe back problems. I had at that job I talked about before at Culver city, I, I had a really bad issue and basically convinced the company to buy me a standing desk. One of the one of the early vera desks when that company was sort of just getting started. And it was, it was a life changing event for me. Um, and, and not just that, that my back started to feel better, but also it was just like standing during the day, just got the, the, the juices flowing. it got my, got my mind, um, you know, working and, and, I, and, and again, another thing that probably led a little bit to where I am now, it just, it, it, it sounds, maybe a little bit silly, but, but whatever chemical changes that created in my body, it opened my mind up to more possibility. I I feel like I I had more energy. And so, so that naturally just came to me when, um, when I was, when I was going through niche selection and all the numbers lined up at the time, all the, everything that we knew in that moment. I mean, now, now going in today, if I was, if I was doing that same research and, and, and creating a store, I probably would have been looking at a lot of different things than I did then. But based on what I knew then, it, it made perfect sense, and and I'm glad I did. I mean, as you know well, you know, you, you and I were, were partners in that in that store for for a period of time. Um, it, it, it did really well for a while. It's not it's not doing so well today for a variety of of reasons. Uh, but um, but it was a it was a great business. It supported my family for for several years comfortably.
0: The point I wanted to make of, of like how you got there is it, it's you. Right? If anybody sits down with Brian for 30 minutes, you're, you're going to talk anything from, you know, parenting to, uh, a variety of different health topics to movement for sure. Right. Like you, you, kind of embody this entire movement for, for lack of a better word there. Like you talk about this a lot, this is you, right. And so just to, to understand that it really changed your life, uh, at a job and that's why you wanted to sell this to help change other people's lives and then it like kind of morphs into even more you as the story goes along but I, I wanted to touch on that because you know John and I have differing opinions on on market selection and you can hear that in other podcasts and on our Patreon uh, but I do stand firm and what I believe is that you, you gotta give a shit you gotta actually care about this stuff right like if you're selling uh, commercial trash cans what are the odds you're gonna roll out of bed and be like oh that fucking brown trash can man I can't wait to sell that shit today like that's just not gonna happen <laughs> right whereas like you were you were changed like you, your back pain was resolved you had more clarity uh, and i can give you some stats i actually just uh, uh saved a, a thing here i'll just pull it up while we're talking actually uh from andrew Heberman during a health symposium at stanford met i learned from a cardiologist colleague that even if we get our 180 minutes of zone two cardio per week the benefits are largely or entirely erased by sitting greater than five hours per day solution standing desk one-to-one ratio with sitting and three to four ten minute walks per day uh and so that like that there's evidence there like that this truly changes people. And that if you can just add movement into your life, not not necessarily exercise movement into your life uh, and get off your, your, your ass, uh, things are going to change, right? And so you embody that. I love that you chose this niche in the beginning, and and you know, you and I went deeper on my own show, the BK Show, about some of the issues that ha- that have changed Standing Destination. We can get into that a little bit today, but if you guys want a deeper dive, check out the BK Show. Brian and I did a couple different episodes on there, uh, deep diving into the 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 ups and downs that Standing Destination faced. But I'm glad that you actually said it out loud. I reference this business often. I think we did a lot of cool things over there uh, that I try to teach in Dropship Breakthrough, teach to consulting clients uh how to build out collection pages how to build out best pages things like that i think we did a lot of cool stuff over there so thank you so much for for saying that out loud so that i, I feel comfortable saying it out loud as well hey just want to jump in here real quick and say if you're loving this show The number one thing you can do to help us out is simply go to Spotify or iTunes or whatever you're listening on and smash that follow button, that subscribe button, and leave us a review. It really does help us reach more people. And if you've got a friend that you know should be listening to this, send the podcast over to them. We'd love to have them join us as well. And real quick, two quick resources I have for you. If you want to join us in our free Facebook group, you can find that at facebook.com slash groups slash dropship tribe, or just search the dropship tribe. And we also have a paid version of this podcast where you can get even more of John and I and longer form content. You can find that on Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/DropshipPodcast. All right, back to the show.
1: Well, okay, so, so so back to there's two things that I would I would want to like come at you with. Number one, um, I think you and I are both on the same page that if there is a there is a ethos in the world of dropshipping that you should not share your business. and and your store, and I understand why that exists. I understand why that ethos is there and and many people have been burned. On the other hand, um, if you have a business that is so easily ripped off and copied, you probably don't necessarily have a business yet right you have this you have the makings of a business but you've got work to do to get to the point where somebody cannot rip you off so just a little little diatribe there and i think you and i are probably on the same page in that result you know first six months nobody's there yet right first six months to a year it takes you takes time to get there but but that's a that's a um a sign of a, of a different problem um as far as like you know yes i am lucky that that or at least i consider myself lucky that i I'm in a space that I'm passionate about standing desks, you know, now with, within movement that the, you know, the more, more recent business, which is our own, uh, you know, physical products and brand that we sell. And I'm sure Ben and I will get into that more, you know, we're we're focused a little less on just standing desks and more on how to get more non-exercise movement, non-exercise activity in your day um, as a means of counteracting sitting and sedentary behavior. But I'm also of the mind that it's okay to sell things that you're not Passionate about, um, you know, I'm not sure how familiar you, you are with, with, like, with Cal Newport. Um, off the top of my head, I'm not thinking the name of, of, of any of his books, but one of the things that that he would say uh, is that passion might be misunderstood. That that working in your passion doesn't necessarily require that you have a specific interest and then in, in going into that. That that the very act of of trying to master some type of work can create passion. So you, you might sell trash cans is a bad example. It's pretty hard to <laughs> pretty hard to come up with a, a a passionate way of selling trash cans. But let's just say, you know, me, I'm not a I, I'm not a hockey enthusiast, right? I, I don't play hockey. I've never really lived in cold enough places to do that. But if I sold a if I created a hockey supply store, I think you can become passionate about the act of building that store without being passionate about the product itself. So yeah, it's better it's better to to be passionate about your subject matter and about your niche, but I think you can you can come at it both ways and still be very fulfilled as long as you're really interested in the work itself. I mean, that's what really that's what you're doing day to day, right? I'm not playing with standing desks every day or treadmill desks every day, right? I'm I'm playing with ads and writing content and Um, And, you know, formatting emails and helping, you know, with customer service and figuring out, um, you know, what our policies and procedures should be. It's, you know, that kind of stuff ultimately is what you spend most of your time doing independent of your subject matter.
0: You get passionate about the people you serve, right? So you might not necessarily be passionate yeah, about the product. Yeah, that's products,
1: another good way. But of you need to
0: it. give a shit. Like I, you know, I sold three D printers. I didn't necessarily know a whole lot about three D printers, but I cared about the people who were buying them and what their concerns were. I sold tiny house products. I'm not a tiny house guy. I'm not a tiny guy. How about that? Uh, and so, like, I didn't, I, I didn't resonate with those people who were buying those products. But I actually, you know, I cared about them. I wanted to reach them, I, and I was passionate about marketing, right? And I think uh, you can be passionate about both things. And uh, I would just encourage anyone to really think about like what lights you up inside, right? Like I think anybody who gets this going and sees some traction is going to get passionate about marketing. It's fun. Uh, and you see results, but in the end of the day, if you can help more people, uh, get what they want, that's how you get what you want. Right. And so like, you, you gotta get passionate about the audience and just, uh, you know, for, for putting your story out there, Brian, I, I agree with you. I think in the beginning, maybe shut up, maybe don't talk about it it's probably not good to talk to like family and friends either. Cause they're just going to be like, well, that's never going to work. And they're going to be crabs in the pot for you. Um, and so I don't, I don't really talk about my businesses when they first start number one, to get that jump start to get going um, and not to have crabs in the pot. But after that, like you're doing yourself a disservice. Once you've, once you've built the store and you're building content and you're scaling, you're doing yourself a disservice, not talking about your business. The more you talk about it, the more opportunities open up, the more people say, Oh my God, you're in that. I think I can help you here. And like uh, all entrepreneurs want to help each other. And so the more you can be open about your business, the more you're going to have doors open for you. Agreed. Yeah. Well said. So back to the beginning, like, uh, I have some questions here and and it seems like you didn't, you weren't scared at all, which is uh, amazing, right? So like, were you scared to start this? Was there BS running through your head? Did you struggle with niche selection, calling suppliers, website building? Like where were the sticking points for you, Brian, where it was like, you, you know, where it gets hard or where you got in your own way?
1: Yeah. So so yeah, I, I would say that confidence was not my problem. And maybe that's sort of I don't want to say one of my superpowers, but what you know, what one of my strengths is is, you know, I do have a lot of belief in in myself and it I helps felt like that I you're a- like
0: a nine and a half out of ten, Brian. Like if I was a nine and a half out of ten, I'd be pretty confident too.
1: Are you, are you is that a measurement or is that I a, will make uh... sure
0: we put a photo of you in the show notes here so people understand.
1: <laughs> okay, well, I'm not sure how to respond to that. <laughs> Thank you. If if only people could see me blushing right now. Uh so yeah, I I I didn't lack for confidence and I had a lot of experience just in business in general to fall back on. I I've, I've had great mentors from my my father and from coaches and I just you know, I I felt like I was sort of I was meant to do what I was doing, where, where I got bogged down personally. And I know I, I, I've coached other people that, that are the same way. They're highly capable people. But when they get into the weeds of trying to learn new systems, um, you know, some people, they get into Shopify and, they're, and they go cross-eyed. That, Shopify wasn't that bad for me. I, I felt comfortable there. But when I started getting into, into my Google Ads account and Google Analytics, I remember kind of going cross-eyed initially and thinking what does all this information mean like how, how do i how do i even begin to put all this together to synthesize this with my um with my background and, and that was even even with you know ally my wife who who had direct experience doing a lot of this stuff um i you know i i struggled with those sort of things and and in general with with dotting eyes and and crossing t's that was that was always where I struggled, where I had to be organized and, and, and methodical and planned and, and, and manage details. Uh, that's probably where, where I, I struggled, but when, but I was lucky in that, you know, I, I came to my niche fairly early, at least the first time around. And, and I was always good at developing relationships. I mean, that, that's the other thing that, that was always a strength of mine. So, so I had, um, you know, really good success in the early days, bringing on suppliers. Even though, despite the fact that today uh, that process is entirely different than it was six years ago. You know, even just in that short time, I feel like the process has gone from being very, um, you know, phone call focused and direct to you, know, you have to be a little bit more methodical. You have to be a little bit more respectful of their time, and 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 be wary of picking up the phone and trying to speak with somebody on their time or sorry, on your time rather than on their time. I think that's, that's very. So I, so I, I guess that, I, you know, I, I probably, I jumped off topic a little bit there, but I, I did not have a ton of fear. And, and, and I should also be honest in saying that I had a nice little nest egg to help, help maintain some of that confidence. We, um, you know, we, we were living in California at the time we sold our house right around when we were starting, we moved to Colorado to reduce our cost of living. And so we knew we had a good chunk of money to, to, to live off of for a while. And I was also doing a couple other things just to, just to bring in a little bit of income at the time too. So I felt I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything else full-time, just some part-time stuff, but I felt comfortable that I was going to make it work one way or another. And, and I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to relent until I did figure that out, frankly
0: two big points there, right? Like I built and sold my first business while working full-time, right? So having that financial security there, not burning the boats and jumping in, um, as maybe some other gurus have told you, and and actually having that ability to have security there helped me a lot. And it sounds like it helped you a lot as well, having a nest egg, Uh, but also not quitting, right? You'll hear John and I talk about this a lot. There was no other option. You're not going to give up on this until it works, right? Uh, And I I imagine Brian, there's no chance in hell you're ever going back to a nine to five job, uh, and so you know that's that's enough motivation for me to not quit right there. What was what was your big yeah. motivation in the beginning? Was it just the freedom and like no chance I'm going back to that? Uh, wh- wh- what was the big motivation there for you?
1: Well, yeah, as I said, that you know the pain that really got us to do it was that you know that freedom and and time, right, more, more time together with family, but. But yeah, you're right. I mean, once once you once you get out of that world and once you start working for yourself and and you see the light at the end of the tunnel, um, you, you'd almost rather die than go back to working for somebody else. I, I just I cannot imagine it. And and in in the six years since then, we've had highs and lows. And at those lows, it's never even crossed my mind that I would go back. I mean, I, I shouldn't say it's never crossed my mind, but it's never even been remotely um, possible in my mind that I was going to go back and work for somebody else to fix it. I was going to find to, ways to, to produce my own income. And uh, on top of that, I had, I had, uh, you know, a wife and two kids to support. And, and I'm, I'm curious what you think. I, I, I always have this debate in my head as to what, which is better. Is it better to be, you know, the 35 year old with two kids, a wife, tons of skin on the table um and and just having to make it work right like who's going to be more motivated than that or is it better to be the 23 year old with absolutely nothing to lose you can fail over and over and over again because you, you know you only need a thousand bucks a month and you can live off of top ramen and chicken wings and until you make it right and um i always wonder you know who is it who's who has the advantage of those two scenarios if i could be one or the other i would rather be the 23 year old i know uh, because you can just keep trying until you succeed and and you can and you can try bigger right you can you can be more grandiose at that at that stage perhaps um, on the other hand if you're going to put two businesses side by side i'm probably going to select the 35 year old with a wife and kids to win over the 23 year old 9 times out of 10 so it's an interesting
0: yeah i think i think the 23 year old has bigger cojones right they'll they'll throw some some bigger shit at the wall and hope it sticks uh as well as like they're happy to take a no and keep moving forward and keep moving forward and keep moving forward uh i hope they are i hope they are too uh and then the 35 year old uh, i'm not getting in your way like if i had to get in between you and your kids and like feeding your kids there's no chance right like uh Th- nothing's going to stop you from doing what you need to do to take care of that. And so, uh, both very powerful forces, but again, uh, I'll take youth any day. If you're listening to this and you're in your early twenties, uh, enjoy it. Like, like you can't, that, that time is unbelievable. And so, yeah, I, I would go back just to simply be 23 again.
1: Uh, and and, and, and my message would be, detach yourself from the concern about failure, right? Failure is not really a failure. That's just try number one. And and it's just lesson number one. Like if I could go back myself and, and, and just know, just try anything, right? Try all of it, whatever it is. Like there's nothing wrong if it doesn't work. It is not your failure. Just keep, keep plugging away until you find something that, that really does work.
0: Yeah. I think just getting interested in business in general, right. Interested in arbitrage or flipping anything would have been huge for me in my early twenties. I tried a lot of things, but they had nothing to do with business. Right. I, I, uh, I drank a lot. Uh, I went out to the bars looking for ladies a lot. I tried, you know, getting deep into fishing. I got deep into some other weird things and just like, uh, online poker when it was still illegal. I did very well with that. You know, thanks George Bush for ruining that. Uh, but like. I did, I did a lot of things and none of it had to do with business. And had I started like getting inquisitive around business, uh, and trying different random things, which you can start a lot of stuff for, for relatively cheap online, uh, and the education's out there. And so like, had I, had I started back then, uh, you know, I, I do wonder where I'd be today, but I'm also very grateful for all the stuff that I did go through because I'm exactly where I want to be right now. am very yeah, happy.
1: It created the context for who you are now. You, know, you can't, you can't trade it. I, at that age, I was trying to be the the best you know sailboat racer in the world i was traveling all around all around the world and europe and australia and new zealand and and uh um and e- e- even though i have no interest in doing it anymore i i wouldn't trade that time you know that where i did all that for anything
0: we've kind of jumped all around here at your beginnings but i haven't heard as usual the story i want to hear as usual that's how our conversations <laughs> go but like i want to hear the story how did the first sale go? Everybody remembers their first sale and it's usually very impactful. I want to hear your first sale story. Uh,
1: I, I, okay. I don't, it's not a strong memory for me because I I almost feel like the first few months of, of my store were, I, I, it was out of my control. Things were just sort of happening. I, I don't feel like I had a real business until a few months in and, um, so, so I, I believe my first sale was a was actually one of the most expensive things on my store. So, so in the standing desk world, I had everything from two hundred to two hundred and fifty dollar desk converters, all the way up to three thousand plus dollar high end desks and treadmill desks and things like that. And and so one of our first sales, no, our first sale was one of those like three thousand dollar desks. And we didn't sell another one for like four months. It it, it it went on to be one of our best suppliers and one of our best set of products from from, from that brand. But um, I I don't know how we got. It, it was like it was an accident. Uh, <laughs> we got one sale, um, and and then and then it went black for a while, um, and and then it eventually it, it it picked back up again, but largely because in the early days I I just didn't know what I was doing, um. With advertising, I just I had I, I had no clue, and and I and I created a mental barrier in my mind that it was Google's fault and not my fault, right? I I, I told myself that it was Google's fault for making this so so um, complicated. When I go inside of Google Ads, um, and instead of telling myself, "No, this is on you, dude, go figure it out," and and maybe you know some of that confidence I talked about earlier, maybe that maybe that means maybe it was too far. Maybe some of it was ego, you know, some of it was, was, um, overconfidence. And so when something, something came up, that was hard, I made an excuse in my head that it wasn't me, right. It wasn't my fault. Uh, I learned that pretty quickly, right. I figured it out. It was me. And, 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 um, and, and, you know, now it's, it's probably one of, one of my, one of my greatest strengths in, you know, if I'm coaching somebody, um, that's, trying to build or, or has a drop shipping store ads is one of the most, you know, one of the places I feel most comfortable and competent. Um, but I don't remember much about it. I I gotta be honest with you. I, I, I was, I was, I think maybe for me, I, I I had a, how do I say this? I, I had had success in business. I had, had made, you know, you know, good amounts of money. And I knew that one sale did not equal success. I knew right off the bat, I knew before I started, I had, you know, you know, minimum numbers in mind of monthly revenue that I had to hit. So I almost feel like, like the first milestone for me, wasn't the first sale. It was, I know based on the margins that I have and, and, um, and how much money I think I need to at least live, you know, at minimum, or at least get me through some time. I, I knew I needed to get to to like thirty thousand dollars a month. That was, I think, if I recall, that was the first milestone I really set in my head. Um, and so I, I think that was probably um, a little bit more prominent than just one sale in my memory.
0: Well, I don't want to jump through your whole story but this is a shorter podcast if you want to hear the ups and downs of standing destination definitely check out the bk show i'll put those uh two links in the show notes but i want to talk about some of the more amazing moments uh so i pulled up on my screen uh in order we had uh, it doesn't have the date on here, unfortunately. It uh, looks like October 25th, 2019. I, I see Standing Destination as a new order for 400 items uh, for $88,000. Like there were some huge moments in that business where, you know, it's not one off sales, it's these big sales to, uh, to businesses or to governments. Um, th- there were some really cool moments in Standing Destination uh, when it was at its peak.
1: Yeah. I, I, I loved that business. I had so much fun, especially in the, the first couple of years. Um, and we did, we had some really, really high moments and frankly, some really low lows. I, I mean, I, some of them are still very, very uh, vivid in my head, but, but even to this day, when, when I spend, I don't know, I probably spend less than 30 minutes a month looking over San Andreas nation anymore, you know, just the, you know, in movement takes up any time that I have and, um, and, and so I just don't, I just don't really pay much attention to it anymore. But when I do every, every once in a while, when I go in and I, and I start making some wholesale changes, I, I remember how much joy I had in that business, how I, I knew every product inside and out. I could tell you, I, I knew off the top of my head what the price was for every product and all the details about it. I, I mean, I had such amazing, you know, context about the industry. And um, so it, it, you know, all this stuff does, I, I have way more fond memories of, of San nation than, than bad ones, but the memory you're describing, it, it, there's actually more to it. So, so that day we received two orders that were massive. We re- re- received that one $88,000 order that you're describing, which was essentially dropped in our laps or dropped in my lap. Cause I think that was before we were working together, right?
0: Uh, no, that was the 88 was when we were together.
1: Oh, it was. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, we, we got the $88,000 order that was dropped into our lap by a supplier. Basically they had a customer they couldn't service. Uh, it's a, it's a whole, whole story, but, but they brought that business to us because we were their preferred dealer. And I had a really close relationship with their, their, you know, VP of dealer sales and they just gave us the order and it was really high profit margin. I want to say we made like 12 grand off of that net. Um, but at the same, on the same day, we had another order for like 48,500 too. And I don't remember the details of that one quite as vividly, but they, it was just crazy that they both kind of, they both hit on the same day. Um, so yeah. And and, and frankly, you know, that, that one day is more than many stores do in a lifetime or in a year or anything like that. So it was, it was just such a, such a, a great moment. It was not like, um, I don't think it was ever like, we, we felt like the the skies had parted and, and it was like, this was, this was an undeserved and unbelievable moment. I think it felt very normal, right? Like we, we knew we had been doing the things that, that led us up to that. We had strong relationships. We, we had set up our business to get a lot of big orders, government orders, like you're talking about enterprise orders. Um, and, um. And so it was a great moment. It was, it was like a really joyous day. And I, I do remember too, that, that those orders were complicated and, and some of it took, I think like three, four months to completely fulfill everything because we had to, we had to, to, to send stuff in stages. And, and I remember at one point we had to actually, we had to pull stuff directly from the factory overseas and drop ship it somewhere. I don't remember all the details behind this. I'm it's just sort of, coming back into my memory. And there were a couple of moments where we thought we might lose parts of it. And I remember, I remember losing some sleep one night because of it. And I was having to stay up late and, and, and be on the phone with China in the middle of the night. And and it was, it was a whole thing, but um, you know, that that's all just part of, part of the, you know, the work and all this stuff. And, and the one thing I would say that, that I think was important that, that is, I think a good lesson for other people that are getting into this. It's very easy to think of these businesses as a, as a, a one-for-one transactional kind of business, right? I sell, you know, or let's say, you know, you sell electric bikes, as so many people do, or you sell outdoor fireplaces, whatever it is. Um, that that you you one customer comes to your store, you sell them one bike, and then you guys go about your your business, and you go on to claiming the next customer. Well, what what we knew really early on with standing this nation was that there's huge potential in bulk orders. And so so you know the nature of our business was we didn't really make a whole lot of money when we sold one desk here one desk there. That that what you know 95% of our orders were one desk orders. But we knew that it was okay to break even and maybe even lose money on some of those orders because when the 20 desk order came in or the 50 desk order or the 400 desk order came in there were just massive amounts of profit. So it was just trying to create as much opportunity as we could, as we could stomach to, to bring those big orders into the pipeline through our advertising.
0: Well, there's some of the, Greatest moments in my own journey as well. Right? I, uh, my very first store, I had a $25,000 3D printer order, and I, I remember it vividly. It was amazing. Uh, and so to have some of those moments with you as well of, of these you know, $88,000 orders and $50,000 orders and these big government orders, those are great days, right? It takes a lot of work and a lot of buildup to get to those moments, but those moments are, are something I'll remember forever. Honestly, I'll remember those moments and, and just reflect with a smile of like how great a feeling it is to make that kind of money in such a sh- short span and really see all your hard work pay off.
1: And, and what's funny is so much of, of what made those, those big orders work. I won't even touch anymore. I don't, I don't do anymore. And it's not that they aren't worthwhile. It's not, it's not that um, it's not that I, I have any regrets over it. It's just that it's funny how things evolve. And now I've, you know, I've got this other business that is, that is a much more sustainable everyday kind of revenue stream where you don't have to work your tail off, trying to find government orders and, and, and sort of, you know, waiting for that one big day. And, and I don't want to, I don't want to falsely cast what Standish Nation was. It wasn't like we, we, you know, didn't sell any desks. And then one day of the month, we got, you know, big $50,000 orders. It wasn't like that at all. Um, th- th- that just happened to be sort of the, the, you know, one of the, the high moments of the, of the whole thing. But it's funny that, that, Knowing how much work I put into trying to get some of those government orders and, and, you know, in hindsight, was it worth it? Yes. Would I do it now, considering that I have another steady income stream that's uh, that I could rely on a little bit more and that's mine and and, and sustainable day over day, week over week, month over month? Um, you know, it changes changes your priorities.
0: But there's a lot of government money out there, right? Especially if you're listening to this and you're a female, uh, the government has to allocate money to female-led businesses, uh, female-owned businesses. If you're a female and you're former military, uh, they have to allocate money for that. They like they have to allocate money. Or if to, you're
1: minority-owned, minority-owned minority owned. as
0: well. Yeah, there's there's a lot of opportunity in the B two B space, selling to the government, and they buy everything. What's a, what's a good website somebody can go like dig around, Brian? I don't even remember the name of it anymore
1: uh, Sam is the name of the, um, the system it's stands for system of acquisition. Gosh, it's been so long. I can't remember, but, but, but look up Sam government, S a M government. I think, you know, if you, if you search that, it'll probably take you to where you need to go. It's, it's complex. Um, and, and it's probably changed a little bit since I've been in there last, but you've got to, you've got to set up, you know you set yourself up with this through this whole convoluted process to be a government seller but if you can figure it out if 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 you can get that done and start seeking out opportunities to sell the the federal government products that they're looking for and and guys they buy everything (laughs) everything you can think of i I, you know i know somebody who sold massage chairs to the federal government um you know at pretty high clips like they, they buy everything um so if you can, if you can get, get your Sam account set up and start looking for online opportunities and it's, you just basically go online and there's a place, every government, every major government purchase has to be posted publicly on one site. You can look and see, and then you basically bid on it. Unfortunately, you know, the one sad part of it is that it's, it's completely a price game, right? Ultimately that all things, all things being equal, they're just going to take the lowest priced option. So, you know, there is some, cannibalization of, of, you know, margins when you're competing against other, other sellers, but be honest with yourselves, you, you, you don't, you, you know, you're, you're, most of you are going to be solopreneurs, or maybe you have, you know, a couple of VAs, you, you, you have no overhead, you can afford, you know, if, if, if you sell something, you know, for $20,000 at a 10% margin, 2000 bucks is nothing to, you know, shake a stick at that. That's, that's a nice chunk of change for you. So Know, don't don't be overly proud don't try to get the same 20 percent margins you're searching for in your day-to-day sales
0: well it's sam.gov i'll put the the link in the show notes as well pretty easy to remember that i'm glad you could remember the name because i couldn't remember <laughs> i remember looking up stuff though for other businesses i was a part of when we worked together and i was shocked that they were buying that stuff too it made zero sense to me why a government would want some of those products uh but they buy they literally buy everything so check that out uh look so standing destination turned into something crazy when we were together um You know, sales started, uh, to get more expensive, right? The cost of acquisition, the cost of acquiring a customer got more expensive. And I remember, you know, kind of looking at different directions, uh, we could go and you spotted a brand that we sold. That was kind of, they were, they were going to go away. This brand was going to go away and, and you floated the idea. Why don't we step in here and make this our brand, um, so all you, uh, I don't want to take any credit for this. This is all you. This is an amazing opportunity that, that you, uh, built out of nowhere. And on, uh, if you remember back a couple of years ago, do y'all, y'all remember when, uh, the Midwest was like negative 50, uh, for a couple of days there, this is the day Brian and I decided to go to the Midwest. I already lived there. I drove all the way to Chicago, uh, in negative 40, negative 50 degree temperatures to, to close this deal. Can you talk us through just briefly, how, how did that deal come about? What did that look like? And, and, and then, you know, where that, where has that evolved to now? Because I think, I think drop shipping is, is the beginning. It's not the end and it's not, it, it's the beginning of you learning marketing. It's the beginning of you launching your own products. It's the beginning of, 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 uh, a lifelong journey. Uh, but it's a great first step. And so I want, I want to show people where you can go with this.
1: I agree. I, it, it is a beginning and, and it's a good one. Like I said earlier, I think drop shipping is, is unique in that it is, it is one of the easier I, I, I hesitate to use the word easy, but it is one of the, the the lowest barriers to entry to get into selling online and specifically selling, you know, physical products online. Uh, and and for any of you that that have that have a vision for for your business beyond just supporting you know traveling through East Asia or Europe or something like that, you 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 recognize right off the bat that. There probably has to be something more than just one drop shipping store in order to support yourself, or create, you know, or, or to actually create true wealth. I guess would be the way I, I would I would restate that. Um, for for many people, the the first obvious solution to that is I'm just going to create a bunch of drop shipping stores. Right. And we know people who've done that, who've literally, they, they, they started by creating one or two, and then they just sort of turned that process into like one giant procedure. And some of, some people even built teams to support them. And so they would just take a new niche, plug it into that process and then just keep pumping out drop shipping stores. In fact, we even know somebody who creates drop shipping stores and then just sells them before they even turn them on. Right. Um, but I, I, personally, I'm much more a fan of creating your own products, creating your own brand. I think it's a, it's a more defensible, long-term position. It's, a more, it's something that I think you can seek your teeth into more and be more passionate about. There's a lot of reasons why I think that that, that is a preferable way to you know, generate real wealth and generate real, you know, real long-term, lasting, sustainable business. So I always had that in mind like I said earlier I I was you know looking for possible things you know possible companies that might white label for for us early on but but basically what, once that passed I just sort of tabled it and thought let's just get this store up and running and we'll wait and see if any opportunities pre- present themselves and and sure enough uh, you know one of our suppliers like you said they we we basically through the rumor mill I heard that they were Shutting down operations. And now, now, just to, to grant a little bit or give a little bit of context here, this happened to be my favorite brand. This was the company who cre- who had the what I thought were the best products, at least the best standing desk converter product that we sold. It was one of the things I was most um most excited about of all the products that we sold. And I liked the company. I liked the um, the messaging that they had built around it where they weren't they weren't just trying to create a product, they were trying to create um, you know they, they were trying to, to, to relate a mission of of you know counteracting sitting and, and sedentary behavior of, of moving more um, and the name of that company was in movement so I guess I guess that that makes sense And they were owned by a literally a multi-billion dollar conglomerate. Who had created this company, thinking they were going to take advantage of the standing desk revolution that was happening in the 2015-2016 era when Veradesk was taking off, and it was just this this ever expanding blue ocean. And you know, they allocated resources and budget to that like they thought it was going to be a nine figure, you know, multi hundred dollar sorry, multi hundred million dollar business. And they created a successful business. Um, you know, multi-million dollar business, but not a multi-hundred million dollar business, not one that supported the, the, the Schwanky, you know, um, downtown Chicago loft office and, and the giant display at Neocon and all this stuff that they had, they had poured into the business. And so they were going to abandon it. And, and, and there were some other things happening internally with the company that sort of led to this as well. They, they, they had dabbled in trying to sell it a little bit, but didn't find anything that worked. And so they were just moving on. So long story short, I came in little nobody from Colorado, right? Small business that was a dealer of theirs that, that ironically, we had been one of their most successful dealers, even compared to big, big, you know, multinational companies that were selling their products. We were one of the most successful. And so, so you know, I managed to get an audience with a couple of people and and say, look, you know, I'm interested in buying this. Can we make this work? You know, I threw out some dollar figures. I mean, I don't even remember where I came up with some of the numbers that that I that I came to. And and um, long story short, what, what they ended up telling me was, look, we don't really want your money, right? Like, you know I mean, you know, the, the amount of money you have, or you're talking about doesn't change anybody's life here, right? we we, we profit hundreds of millions of dollars a year. What, do, what do we care? And, and they said, but, you know, we do want to see this brand live on. And, and there was like, you can tell there was a generate, a, a genuine passion in some people to, to see the brand keep going that the you know, people that believed in it and Hey, why, why don't we just participate in the long-term upside of the products? So we you know, went in there and, and, and after almost a year of, of back and forth and trying to get to the right person and a little bit of negotiating here and there, we basically came to an agreement that was almost entirely seller finance. They basically said, look, we, you know, we want a small amount up front to help pay for some of the lawyers fees and things like that. And, um, and then we want a, a, a royalty of every sale of these products that, that we're basically handing over to you in this sale and uh and the rest was history we 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 bought in movement for basically nothing uh basically no cash and uh and a small percentage of every sale and and took off from there um and then and then as you know i, I don't you know not to, to rush ahead but but um is it 2 years later I'm trying to try to remember the timeline of all this no i think it was 1 year later we bought another company um in movement had also sold a treadmill desk Early on and and we kept having people come to us saying, Hey, when is your treadmill desk going to be back in stock? And we did not, as part of the sale, we didn't get the rights to sell that treadmill desk that they had they had sold previously. And we didn't want it because it was, it was a crazy expensive over-engineered product. But we had I'd come across this other company a few times who was who had a really great treadmill desk product, one that I thought was really differentiated and special compared to the rest of the market. And I originally went to them to see if they would sort of private label some of it for us. Um, and, and they basically came back to me and said, you know, we're not really interested in doing that, but we, we are considering selling, would you like to buy it? And again, you know, the rest was kind of history there. And we, and we initially worked out the same kind of, of deal. We, we ended up with a, a seller finance deal. And, and so today, you know, I've got a, um, a very successful physical products business. And that came from, two purchases that basically took zero cash out of my pocket to make happen. It was all, all relationships and right place, right time. And the whole thing.
0: Yeah. I think that's probably mind boggling to someone listening to this, that you can acquire a business with no money down. Like uh, even, you know, in the, in the outside world, SBA loans you need ten percent down to buy a business, right? And so, like if you can put ten percent down, which can add up to be a lot in a big business, but if you do these private deals, there's a lot of business owners who are just ready to be done, and they're ready to pass their business on to somebody who wants to operate it, uh, and they're happy to be paid out over a, a course of time or do a royalty deal. And so, like I was in awe, like I, you know, being your partner in this, uh, I was focused solely on like how can we get standing nation standing against nation to what it once was uh, and move away from having to pay exorbitant amounts to acquire a customer and move into, you know, SEO and things that I love. Uh, And you were like, why don't we just go acquire this business and and then, you know, go acquire another one. And so like, you know, kudos to you watching you do that was incredible watching you negotiate these deals to make them extremely favorable to, to your parent company. And, and to us, uh, was very fun to watch. And, and really it just go, I I just really want to point this out for anyone listening like that. Again, dropshipping is the beginning. You can definitely, uh, make a living on your dropshipping business with very little employees. You can also scale that into something meaningful, which I've done before helping scale a company to eight figures. Uh, or you can pivot into your own line of products or both uh maybe i'll have those guys on the show too to talk about how they went in different directions of like creating their own products but like your ability to go acquire a brand and make it our own and then go acquire another brand and like house it underneath that brand like everybody listening go to inmovement.com and check out what i think is the best treadmill desk on the market like it's it's twice as wide and half as long. Uh, like I I know all the, the selling points here, but it's, it's legit like the best product on the market. Uh, and so you went out and acquired the best product on the market, which makes your marketing extremely easy. You don't have to sell this as hard when you know, you have the absolute best product on the market. So, uh, you know, I'm over here clapping. Those were two incredible moves, um, that really anybody can do. Like it's going to take some planning. It's going to take some thinking. Um, but you were able to execute this with very little out of your pocket and, and, you know, uh, a lot of your time, of course, um, but it sets you up to be able to operate a business uh, where you import you know, treadmill desks now um, and you're able to spread your message of movement uh, across the brand that that is yours. Right.
1: Yeah. And, and I would emphasize like I don't don't take don't don't take the opinion out of this that that I'm like some master negotiator. And that's why this happened. The only thing that 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 I would say that 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 put us in the position to do this was I just I, I was relentless I've always been relentless about my relationships with the people that I that I do business with and even the ones I don't do business with. I mean I' just always trying to build any relationships with somebody that um, you know that where we have we, we have r- relatable interests in, in an industry whatever the case may be. And so you know with within movement, Early on, you know, it was my relationship that allowed me to even get tipped off to even know that they were closing the business down because they were not even saying that publicly. And then I was able to use that relationship to find the right person and then build a relationship with them and find it wasn't like I was trying to negotiate terms favorable to me. It was, it was more about understanding what it is they want or what they need and trying to figure out how we can, how we can, you know, make a, a, a deal symbiotic or how we, how we can benefit each other. And the same thing with UNSID. I mean, it was, it was, uh, you know, two guys that had started this business who were really great product minds. I mean, one of them, I think is just, he's, he's kind of a brilliant inventor and, and, and technical, you know, engineering thinker, um, but you know, he's not a marketer and he, and he recognized he, he had sort of reached the the limit of his ability. He didn't, didn't really know how to take unsit to the, to the next level. And, you know, here we come along, that's our expertise. And, and so, so it wasn't, you know, here I am with a, you know, very successful physical products business. Um, I, I am not a product designer. I'm not an engineer. Um, I'm not a master negotiator. It was just, relationships. It was just having empathy, right? So not just caring about your, your, you know, your customer, giving a shit about your customer, giving a shit about everybody, right? And in doing so, you just, you know, if you do give a shit about the people that you work with and deal with and, and, and interact with on a regular basis, and you make the effort to build relationships with them, good things come your way. And and if you do it with, with empathy, you know, all, all the better. And, and so it's just, you know, that's how, that's how opportunities came our way.
0: Well, you're hitting everything I love to hear, right? Uh, as our friend George says, relationships beat algorithms, uh, you know, building relationships through kindness, empathy, thoughtfulness, you know, I, I love me some Gary Vee as well. And so like you're saying everything I believe in, these are some of my core values. And, and obviously, it pays off in the business world, right? I, I'm going to I'm going to botch this a little bit, but Zig Ziglar said, like if you can help enough people reach their goals, you're going to reach your goal. Right. Uh, And so like actually giving a shit about everyone else rather than what's in it for me, what's in it for me, what's in it for me. And like uh, building those relationships, they're going to, they're going to pay dividends in the end. So uh, again, clapping over here. Cause like it's amazing to watch. It was amazing to be part of that. It was amazing to watch you from the outside. Um, and it was amazing to watch you as a friend, make those moves and see your journey from 2016, you know, just getting started to now acquiring two different businesses and, and running your brand and living in an RV. Like one of my questions is where is this journey taking you? It's taken you right where you want to be, right? Being able to operate these brands, but also traveling the country with your family and spending time with your kids. Um, I have a few more questions. I want to ask you of like where you are now, like how has, how, how has this journey changed you as a person brian
1: it's a good question I, I haven't thought about that um, <clears throat> i mean i guess i would say i'm a more um I, you know just as a result of all of this may, may, maybe less this is less about the business i'm in and just more about the community being a part of 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 e-commerce and online online communities you, you you know i i've i have a better sense for the possibilities of the world and it's something that my wife and i talk a lot about with our you know with our we're talking about how to how to teach our kids and educate our kids you and i talk about this uh, sometimes about how there are so many ways to make a living in today's world and and um and so i'm just i'm just so open-minded to all all the different possibilities there are that 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 if you have have competence or expertise in any one area you can in, in, in today's world, you can make a living off of it and you can probably make a living off of it from just about anywhere in the world. Um, and ironically too, I, you know, I've sort of come full circle. I, I I've become almost more bullish now too on physical businesses, local businesses that, that, you know, one of the things that, that we've seen recently with all of the shift to, to working from home and, um, and, Online purchasing and, and online behavior, there are certain things that are just just irreplaceable. There are certain businesses locally in your town that will always be needed. So, it, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, there's probably a million things off the top of my head. The, the, you know, those are the, the things that pop um, that pop into my my head first. I guess the, you know the other the other big thing I've learned is that there there really is no there really is no shortcut. There really is no easy way to success. You know, even I, I think had a little bit of a vision in my head that, that this was going to be easy that anybody can do it. And that just by, you know, so often these, these, I, 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 I'm, met a lot of students that I've coached over the years where, where, you know, they always say, like, I typed in online, I typed in how to make money online. And eventually they, you know, come to drop shipping or whatever it is. And, and that's how they meet me. Right. Um, and I think we all kind of have a little bit of that idea in our head. Like how, do, how it's really like, how do I make money easy online? You know, or what's the easiest way to make money online? And, and you always, you always kind of have a sense when you start that this thing you're doing, that it's like this, this little niche pocket of opportunity that's different from the others. And that it's, it's um, it, you know, you're sort of arbitraging in a way that it's just going to be easy that just by building it and by being in the right place at the right time, you're going to build a successful business. And I think I know now that, that, that no longer likely exists or, or maybe it never even really did. You still have to execute. You still have to be smart. You still have to, to, to do good things just by virtue of signing up for a course. Um, or learning something, you are not going to have a success, successful business. You've got to, you've got to, put the work in to do it.
0: Yeah, you got to do the work. No question. Uh, nothing comes easy. I would say this process is simple, right? Uh, we try to avoid the word easy at uh, Dropship Breakthrough because nothing's easy, right? Anything worth having is going to be hard. But this process is simple. It's one of the more simple methods of creating a business online with with the perks of of low overhead and and low startup costs. And so, uh, I agree with you there. I, I love that your framework has opened like your your ability to see opportunities open i would say that's something that's happened for me over the years too i just i see opportunity everywhere uh and and now with kids who are starting to ask questions about money and things like that i start seeing it even more of like just everything everything we drive by i try to explain to them how the pipeline of, of of who made money on this process along the way works and uh that's been fun in itself all right so easy answer to this uh next question is uh you're sitting in an RV. Uh, that's the easy answer. Let's let's try to come up with another answer. What's the coolest thing you've been able to do since you started uh, that you couldn't have done in you know in your previous nine to five life?
1: Yeah, I, well, it, before before it was the RV. That the, the first big thing that we did that that really sort of solidified that we had reached our goal of of true freedom, right? Of of freedom of time, freedom of to do whatever the hell we wanted to was in 2017 or sorry, 2018, we took a month long, long trip to, uh, Washington state. We, we, um, rented a house for a week right across the street from the beach on Woodby Island. Um, that was kind of the, um, that was like the initial watermark of, okay, we've made it, we've done it. Like we were able to do this we, you know, we feel financially comfortable while we're doing it. Um, so that was, that was probably a high point. Um, uh, but i would say that that i don't think anything matched the high of um of purchasing in movement i mean i think that was you know again that that is a you know that's not so much a like a like a lagging indicator of all, all the work it you know that was that was the business itself i guess i guess i guess what i'm saying is that the business itself is the high point right that that the accomplishments and that one that one specifically um, was probably the high point of all of it, you know, being able to purchase what was a you know multi-million dollar business and and up negotiate with a literally a billion plus dollar company in doing so. Um, man, that felt good to to get that done. And and maybe that speaks some to what we were talking about earlier, that ultimately you you end up finding the passion in the work itself you know, often more so than the subject matter that you're, that you're working on. And that was, that was definitely a, a, a defining moment for me.
0: Well, I could talk to you for hours, but I, I'm going to wrap it up with one last question. A lot of people who are going to listen to this episode, or who are, li- who are listening currently, uh, are just starting, or they're thinking about starting. What would you say to that person who's at the beginning of their journey? What would you say
1: to them? Well, um, there's a lot of things. I mean the, the first thing I would say is it is a journey, right? So so you know buckle in and be ready for for a long ride. don't don't look for overnight success. I mean it, it, you know be prepared to to start, to iterate, to restart, you know all those things. I, I just just don't go into this and don't and don't ever be in this world, in the entrepreneurial world trying to quickly get to an end point right? I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get to X and then I've made it, I'm done, right? It's, it's, it's an ever ongoing process that will never stop. So that's probably the first thing, just, just from a mindset standpoint, um, you know, build that mental framework in your head that, that forces you to just be relentless and, and, um, forces you to overlook any sort of failure or, or negative moments, um, forces you to to look at them at nothing less than just a bump in the road, right? That's just all, that's all they are, or sorry, nothing more than a bump in the road, excuse me. Um, But the other thing, if we're we're talking more specifically about dropshipping, I would have a lot to say about the niche selection process for anybody that's, that's just getting into it. I do think it's the most important step in the whole process is finding a good niche um, and and I just I encourage everyone to to be really creative um, take a take a little bit of time and and think about things that that aren't just the, the obvious ones that you you know that are within I eye, eyesight inside of your house or your garage or something like that you know think beyond that think of something that you can really connect with people about something that they're passionate about or interested in um, or a hobby that they might have and um, And and just you know, I I think early on I, I when I when I first started coaching I, I coached a lot of people to give themselves a deadline, you know, give yourself a two week deadline for example I I would say to um, to decide what your niche is because it, it, there is the risk of of overthinking it, right? As many people do. You can just go on and on and on and never make a decision because how do you, right? There's too many things unknown. For example, one thing you're never really going to know until you start calling suppliers is what kind of margins are you going to have in this niche? You you really just don't know how much money you could make on a per sale basis until you're in the weeds, until you've already created your website, for goodness sake. Um, but my, my thinking then, and it still is today, like at some point, you just have to take a leap of faith and do it and just know that you can always backtrack and start over again if you need to, you know, see, see previous point. Uh, but, but definitely be creative. I do think six years after I started, I do think it's harder. I do think that, that you have to be more creative. You have to be smarter. Um, you have to think a little bit bigger. And I think it's, it's a little bit harder to get suppliers than it was six years ago. Um, And certainly when we were starting, there were people saying that already then, right? People who had done it three years earlier, they were talking about how, how much harder it's become. Um, So, so be, be really thoughtful about the niche that you're getting into and go into it knowing that there's some unique value that you can create in some way, right? And And it might be a really narrow focus, you know, so if you're selling you know, if you're selling e-bikes to go back to that example, I think a narrow focus makes a lot of sense. You can add a lot of value by being an expert on what is a very technical sale and really doesn't encompass anything larger, right? If somebody's buying an e-bike, they're buying an e-bike. That's, that's the pain. That's the, that's the solution all right there. Just it's that e-bike. I want one. I'm going to buy one now make it, you know, make it easy for me. Help me figure out which one I need. You know, if you're thinking like I'm going to sell outdoor fireplaces to go out, go back to that example. What pain are you solving by being the outdoor fireplace guy, right? I mean, the, the person that's buying an outdoor fireplace probably has a bigger problem or a bigger project in mind. They're, they're, they're not just looking for an expert. They don't have any need for an expert in outdoor fireplaces. They're probably trying to create a really kick-ass outdoor space, you know, on their back patio or, or, or in their backyard or something like that. So solve that problem. Right. Find some way to create value beyond just having a store. And part of that maybe is to say, as you're thinking about niche selection, stop thinking about products and start thinking about people and their problems or people and their desires. You can, you can look at it either way. That's how you find the niche. And then the question becomes, how do I, as a little guy, right as a as a as a one off you know who 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 I don't have the resources that Amazon Home Depot or Office Depot or whatever I don't I don't have the resources that that Wayfair has but one thing I do have is I can I can communicate I can I can talk I can write content and I can be specific I can I can solve a problem very directly whereas they're trying to solve a million problems at once so how do I emphasize that advantage that I have for that person and that problem
0: Love it. Sell a feeling and an after state. The product is just a, a vehicle to get them to that feeling and to that after state. I, I, I mean, you're preaching. You're preaching to the choir over here, Brian. So, uh, look, I appreciate having you on. Uh, if anybody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way to get a hold of you, Brian?
1: Uh, I would say probably Facebook Messenger. Um, I don't know. Just search Brian Angel in there. I I don't even remember what my handle is anymore. I, I I don't. I'll be honest. I'm 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 a little bit hard to find at times, and I I do that intentionally because I you know I, I focus my time on my family and 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 my business but um i'm always um always happen to be in contact with somebody and answer questions and just bear with me if i'm if i'm slow even if it takes me a week or something like that to get back to you don't don't take it personally i just i don't i don't pay a lot of, I, don't, I don't put a lot of time into those places
0: also i think following your family on instagram is incredible uh i believe it's at in movement family i'll put a link in the show notes uh just the watching you guys do your little thing. Uh, I know your wife hates posting all this stuff, uh, but it's amazing (laughs) to watch what you're able to do by being an entrepreneur. And so like, uh, I'm happy to put that in the show notes and tell everybody to give you a follow over there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. By all means, follow us. You can, you can just sort of follow along. We're not like everyday posters, you know, basically my wife, she, she's consistently about two months behind, I would say, and we just sort of, you know, every destination we go to, we usually have like one or two posts and, and occasionally if they're, but it is, I, I imagine some of you could have a lot of fun. And, and if you happen to be somebody like me, who's maybe you know, a little bit, little bit old, older and already have family, um, if that helps you, helps put you in the in the headspace and helps, helps you visualize your version of this with your family, then that's awesome. I'm, I'm glad that, that I was able to help you in that way.
0: Well, thanks for coming on, buddy. I appreciate your time.
1: You got it, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks
0: for listening to the Dropship Podcast. You can find all the show notes for this episode at dropshippodcast.com. And if you're ready to take the next step in your dropshipping journey, we invite you to join us inside Dropship Breakthrough, where John and I will walk you through step-by-step in starting your own high-ticket dropshipping e-commerce business. But that's not all. Dropship Breakthrough will also teach you everything you'll need to know to grow your business and take it to the next level. So head over to dropshipbreakthrough.com and sign up for our free training that will help you take the first steps towards building and growing your own profitable high-ticket dropshipping business.